You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with David Rubin. To listen to the full interview or hear more about the Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. And I always, the one amazing thing about the camera lens is that it is really the world's greatest bullshit detector. Yeah. You know, you can't, it, it, the camera lens reads thought and reads emotion as much as the human eye does. And anything that is false, anything that is premeditated, planned, doesn't feel real. So an, a, a great actor has none of those false beats in their work. It's all extremely connected to who they are personally. The camera lens sees it mm-hmm. and the audience loves it. Uh, you know, it's a very personal service casting. It's a one-on-one conversation between me and a filmmaker and, and a, or me and a filmmaker and a, and a producer behind closed doors. Nobody sees the process happening uh, but us. Um, it's one of the reasons why it's so mysterious, why so many people don't really understand what it is. They think it's, you know, let's make a list of our favorite actors and pick one. And it's so, it's so much a conversation about the psychology of the characters on the page and the psychology and the, the talent and abilities of the actors and to try to find a match between those and also to make no decision in isolation because the minute you cast one actor in one part, that will affect how you look at casting the actors that are in the scenes with them. All of those things, you know, scripts are written in great detail so that anyone who reads them, particularly the people who, writes, who write the check to finance the movie, see the film in their mind's eye. Very specific, right? But when we come around to making the film, it's really incumbent upon the casting director to, in some ways, ignore all of those specifics about the character and only focus on how the character helps tell the story. That opens up a million possibilities of ways you can, you know, it, it, it opens up gender possibilities, racial diversity possibilities. Um, and it's very important not to get hidebound to what a screenwriter, with all, res- all due respect to the screenwriter, but uh, uh, to what the screenwriter says so specifically in, in the script. You just keep your eye on the story and experiment I always talk about the casting room as a, as a laboratory because it, it really is it really is about using as much time as you possibly have to try various combinations of ways of playing these roles. It's a tremendously stimulating dialogue that we have that no one else who works on movies really understands because they're not engaged in it. And I always feel like everybody is a, an amateur casting director because they have actors they like. So you think, oh, easy job. Here are my 10 favorite actors, pick one. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the the reason I think I am as engaged with my work now, maybe even more so than ever before, is that each film is a completely new challenge. Mm -hmm. And and I've been fortunate enough never to have been the go-to guy for a particular kind of movie. I think there are, there are wonderful casting directors who are known for a certain kind of comedy. 
certain kind of family film. It's the diversity in my career that has given me the most pleasure. I think just as an actor becomes an actor because they want to play a huge variety of roles in their career, I have found the most pleasure by the diversity. So in my casting office, there's a waiting area where the actors wait before they come in. And I'm very happy that there's a poster of the English patient very close to a poster for Harold and Kumar, Escape from Guantanamo Bay, very near Hairspray, very near Lars and the Real Girl, because I think of all of the unique experiences that all of those have represented, and also the very specific challenges that each of those genres present. You know, it's that each time you I open up a script as a possibility to cast, I think, what adventure is in store? You know, there's sometimes when I'm sent a script and the first thing I do is I, I thumb through all the pages of the script just to sort of get a sense that there's more dialogue than there is stage direction. Because if I, if I find that there's a lot of stage direction, that usually means that there's a lot of action, a lot of special effects, a lot of explosions, a lot of all the things that to me as an audience member, and this is just me personally, are less engaging than than the than the human story, you know, than than the relationship between between specific characters. That's what I've always been been drawn toward. It's why I I'm drawn toward actor intensive material. Uh, I want my actors to be really you know challenged their craft and their emotional lives to be really challenged in playing those parts. One of my proudest uh, efforts at the Academy, really that dates back to before I was elected president, is to foster an international presence uh, for, the, for the Motion Picture Academy. Because at some point, I you know, sort of looked around at all the Academy does, and I thought it's very America-centric. And, and honestly, and film is the most um, among many, but a, but a truly you know, sort of universal international uh, art form. Not to mention the fact that it, is, it was started as much by the French, by the Lumiere brothers in the late 1800s as anybody. But I, I thought this, this really is, has never been called the American Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, but for some reason it became that. And even the films that were, that were up for recognition with an Oscar were called Best Foreign Film, which, which meant, you know, other, different, strange. Two years ago, we, uh, or just maybe last year for the first year, we changed the name of that award to, to Best International Feature Film to, to have nothing pejorative attached to it. But part of this effort, because my focus has been on membership in the Academy, is to seek out great filmmakers all around the world to invite them to be members of the Academy, uh, which many of them thought was not even a possibility. They felt uh, that they wouldn't be welcome, that they wouldn't be eligible. And what's resulted was a kind of a, a, a growth of the filmmakers community, really what an academy was meant to be. And tell me a little bit about the, the gold program, because that's another about the opening out. I am evangelical about the gold program. Talk about giving back. This is, again, a student program. It's a student internship for uh, college students generally in their third or fourth year of undergraduate work, although I think there are graduate students involved as well. It's, a, it's an eight-week program over the summer months where you are in Los Angeles and you are being exposed to professionals in the motion picture field who are there to give back. And that involves classes, 
symposiums, uh, demonstrations. You're involved yourself in making short films during the course of the summer. And you are also connected with a mentor, volunteers who are members of the academy who want to give back, who have a one-on-one relationship with each of the students in the Academy Go program. And even after the eight-week summer program is done, and that, and the people who attend the Academy Go program are interested in all facets of motion pictures, and some of them really don't even know which facet they're interested in. They want to be exposed to a variety of things and find their, their passion. You're connected with a mentor, and even after the eight weeks are done, but I think for the following eight months, you are still connected uh, as you are graduating uh, and entering the workforce with that mentor who's available to you on a monthly basis or whenever you need them, I think, to answer questions about things that you're encountering as you enter the scary real world. And it's been a huge success. But I also have learned this through my entire life in terms of relationships that I've had and business situations that I've been in. People fundamentally want to be heard and want to be seen. And that, you know, I think is essential. I know I think it's, you, you can disagree with people, but really only until you fully heard them. Because to dis- disagree with somebody whom you have not officially and fully heard is a sign of disrespect. But I think if you, if you, you know, hear people and see people for who they are and what they represent and how they feel, it's fine to have differences. Uh, and you, you need to acknowledge their differences as well as acknowledge that, you're, you have to, that they'll perceive differences in you. But until you see and hear them fully, we're not really being citizens of this earth. And um, I appreciate that in working in a collaborative medium as I do. And I think that it is a valuable lesson for everyone. Want to get involved with exhibitions or interviews? Email us at team at creativeprocess.info. Thank you for listening.